It's indeed to be a, it's a privilege for me to be here this morning and to share, and uh, God has been so good to Peggy and I, and we're thankful for the privilege to come down here. But you know, this fall has been a real challenge for us, so I probably, I'm not going to preach to you this morning, I'm just going to tell you some of the struggles we've kind of gone through. Uh <clears throat> And I've entitled my message this morning, The Battle for Thanksgiving. And uh, you say, how is that a battle? Well, I found it a great personal battle. Now, I know there are a lot of people who get real uptight about, you know, Black, or Black Friday or Gray Friday or whatever it is, and thinking that uh, <coughs> commercialism has taken over Thanksgiving. I'm not worried about that part of it. I'm worried about me and my attitude toward Thanksgiving. You know, this fall, since uh, the elders here responded to Paul and the conversations that we had had, I've been in touch with him every week. And here recently, <clears throat> we, we had our home in Billings, and, and when I put it on the market, the realtor says, man, this won't take long. And it was like dead air in October and November. Lord, what in the world's going on? And you have to remember that my wife is not used to having me around the house all the time. And so I was talking to Paul here the other day, and my wife says, let me talk to him. She says, Paul, pencil in some time for marriage counseling for us. And I've never seen Paul speechless. But uh, we thank the Lord that things appear to be moving along in good stead right now, and, and we're very happy, and you continue to pray for all the details. They're too numerous to even get into. Uh, simple things get complex, don't they? Quickly. And so pray, and, and we trust the Lord. But this morning, I want to talk about why it's important for each of us to be thankful Thanksgiving is not an option for a Christian. It's something we all have got to have. Uh, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our state is, we have to learn the importance of Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm sure that this morning uh, we can have a number of young people come up and at school they have been taught in 1621 uh, the pilgrims celebrated the first Thanksgiving. And uh, they can talk about uh, all kinds of things about Thanksgiving. They could probably do better than the people that Jesse Waters interviews. If you've seen that, he was at Plymouth here recently. And he's asking people basic questions about Thanksgiving. And they're right there. And they didn't even know our at least couldn't answer the basic questions. But uh, I'm not going to talk about that one today. Uh, by the way, if you want to read a, a good article about uh, Thanksgiving, uh, my son Lance, who lives in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, he is a regular reader of the Wall Street Journal. And he's, he uh, directed us to an article by Eric Metaxas on Squanto. And one thing you'll find as you read that article is the sovereign hand of God 
in an Indian's life who we just credit for telling them to put fish with the corn seed to, to fertilize it, to get it up. And uh, he had been, uh, God had done far more than that in his life. And you really see the merciful and the good hand of God in the lives of the pilgrims. And he certainly worked in Squanto's life as well. And, you know, as far as the country goes, <clears throat> I'm thankful I live in a country that has an official holiday of Thanksgiving. Uh, did you know as early as 1863, uh, Civil War time, that they, uh, Congress said, let every state declare a day of Thanksgiving. In 1941, uh, <clears throat> it became a federal uh, legislation issue to proclaim the fourth Thursday of the month as, of November as Thanksgiving. But that's not the Thanksgiving I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the forgotten Thanksgiving Day and, and probably the most important Thanksgiving Day. And uh, <clears throat> the first Thanksgiving Day, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis 2, please. Uh, in Genesis 2, I love these few little verses. We're not going to take time this morning to read the narrative of the first chapter. <clears throat> but notice in, I'm reading from the ESV, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the works that he had done. Now, understand this. God wasn't tired. God had perfectly finished what he was doing. When you think of this vast universe, and uh, there, there's just you start studying outer space and, and light years away and all, and then here's this little cocoon in the universe called Earth. God put it just in the right place, not too close to the sun, not too far away. We don't burn or freeze up. We just, it's just perfect. And God made a perfect place to put mankind in, to put Adam and Eve for the purpose of fellowshipping with him. Now, Job tells us that the angels shouted for joy as they watched God make the heavens and the earth. I, they know all about outer space and light years away, and God makes this little earth, and he puts these two puny people down here on earth, Adam and Eve, and their purpose was to enjoy what God had made and most of all, enjoy fellowship with him. Now notice uh, verse 3 said, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his works 
that he had done in creation. And I love verse 4. And these are the generations of the heavens and the earth which they created. And in that day the Lord made the earth and the heavens. And some translations it says, and this is the history of the heavens and the earth. This is how I got there. Uh, this story, this account in Genesis 1, 2, 3, all the book of Genesis. For hundreds of years, people just told the narrative, just told the story of, of what God had done. And this morning, I want to focus on that seventh day. It, uh, we call it the day of rest, but it was really a day of worship. Because imagine this, just the day before, day six, God made... Adam, and that was after he made everything else on the earth and all the animals, and he made Adam, and he says, Adam, name all the creatures on the earth. Now, if you and I would have been asked to do that, I'd have run out of names. You know, we have three wonderful sons, and I don't know how you, every time it's a job to figure out a good name. And all the animals, all the birds, all the, wow. And then Adam did that, and God says, Adam, there's not one animal, there's not one creature on this earth that is a perfect match for you. So I'm going to make a woman. And he created for Adam another human being, another person who would just correspond with him, would just match with him in a perfect way. <clears throat> what are some observations of that day? Here we have two people who are experiencing for the first time life and what it's like all around them. Uh, it was perfect, and they had abilities of observation that are off the chart. Uh, we have mentioned about naming the animals, but, you know, I think that Adam and Eve probably understood in an incredible way the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in creation, their relationship with God, their peace. And, and you know, their worship was just saying, God, you are so good, you are so awesome, you are so great. Uh, that's a word, by the way, I think probably was used in Genesis there, awesome. Uh, all the big good words that you can find to describe God and what he's done, those are the words that are being used here. Uh, I, I thought of Psalm 42.1. The psalmist says, as a deer pants for the flowing streams or for the waters, so my soul pants for you, O God. I cannot imagine the relationship and the, the, the urge that Adam and Eve had to just praise God for all that he had done and all that he was doing. And they had rest, they had safety, uh, they had a real home. Their relationship with God, their understanding of God and what he had done, and uh, they, they were just filled uh, 
um, <clears throat> with adoration and praise. Can you imagine what a perfect worship occurred on that day when a perfect man and a perfect woman could see all that God had done and how much he really loved them? Everything they saw showed that God was good. He was a good God, and he had done nothing but good for them. Matter of fact, if you want to have a little fun Bible study, read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Those are everything that's perfect. And then everything in the Bible until the last two chapters, then we get back to perfection again. Genesis 21 and 22. Do a little cross-study with those two. That'll be good for your soul. And it will stimulate you to a lot of thought and question. Our model for Thanksgiving was established in the Garden of Eden. Gratitude to God and what he has done and what he's doing. And the realization that this whole that God did this because of his great love for mankind and he wanted folks a relationship with you and I uh, the most important thing that happens in my life or your life is that we have a relationship with God and we can be very very thankful for his goodness and grace I, I think there's in the first chapter, the thir last verse, 36 or 31, I mean, is, is a good summary of this whole thing because he says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Not just good, it was very good. And there was the evening, and there was the morning of the sixth day. So Adam and Eve saw all that a very good God had done, and they were a part of that. And they were worshiping and adoring him. And uh, all of creation is centered around the goodness of God. Sometime, if you get to studying outer space and the vastness of the solar system, the only place in the entire universe life exists is on planet Earth. God put us here for the purpose of having a relationship with him. And it's not going to evolve. God's going to speak again, and Jesus Christ is going to come back to this earth. And he's going to close her down and open up something brand new and forever. Somebody says, I don't believe that stuff. It's your problem. God's spoken. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. And, he, and friends, he's the good God. He is good. And everything that he made was very good.
every one of you are very good. Because God made you. God's got a plan and purpose for our lives. Well, we got to hurry along. Hit that next point there uh, of uh, falling away from Thanksgiving, the forgotten history of uh, uh, the uh, uh, falling away of Thanksgiving. And if you look in your Bibles in Revelation, I mean Romans chapter 1, the battle for Thanksgiving takes place in your heart and my heart. Uh, and when somebody becomes unthankful, they don't appreciate the things that God has given them. Uh, each one has been given more than we deserve. And, and I love this, this cliche, uh, how are you doing today? Far better than I deserve. And it's true. D did you know God has been so good to each one of us, and it's far better than we deserve. Uh, the uh, unthankfulness is a negative look on life, and despite a good God and all that he wants for good, we're going to look at it from the glass half full. We, we need to, to see it. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, notice these words. And by the way, Romans 1 is a, a description of the demise of, the, of humanity and of the demise of people who have put God out of their life. It's a very sad chapter, very tragic chapter. In verse 21 because it says that when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were thankful, because, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Notice that. They were not thankful. They became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, if you skip on down a few verses, and we're not going to on the, on the screen, but I'm going to read verse 26 and 27. For this cause, what cause? The unthankfulness, the vanity of, of their minds and hearts. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did it did change the natural use into that which was against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use, uh, leaving natural use of the woman and burning uh, in their lust toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their heir which uh, was meat. You see, <clears throat> unthankfulness occurs when there's a void in the human heart, and that void is Jesus Christ. Notice the slippery slope. When they knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God, and they weren't thankful. One of the things that characterized day seven 
was gratitude and thankfulness. You leave God, unthankfulness comes from a defective relationship with God. It <clears throat> removes God from the center of our thinking. It's evidenced by unthankfulness. You know, when I get unthankful, I go, oh man, I forgot what God said. Unthankfulness is godlessness. Vain thinking are unreal thinking. How did I get into that? How did, well, it's vanity, unreal thinking. We miss the purpose of life. You know, the purpose of life, starting back in the uh, book of Genesis, was to understand the goodness of God and worship him for it, glorify him for it. Leading to vile affections. How many people have you talked to or I've talked to? Oh, man, I got my eyes off the Lord and I really made a mess of my life. That's how vile affections show up. That's how they haunt the heart. And you know, Timothy said this in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.5, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And what love is he talking about? He's talking about love for God and love for people. That's a Genesis principle. Gotta love God, gotta love people. Uh, unthankfulness, I think, is so illus best illustrated in the life of Israel. You know, God chose Abraham, and then God blessed his seed, and they went into Egypt with 75 people, and they're coming out two or three million strong at least. And they were... Uh, community of, the, uh, uh, of ser slaves, and the most powerful ruler in the world was their master. And God says, that's no problem. Sent Moses. Moses changed Pharaoh's mind, and you know all the stuff there. They were excited. We're being released from bondage. Moses takes them across the Red Sea. Now, you and I, if we would have done that, you said, oh, did you see what God did? I love the walls of the church. I think the walls of the water in the, in the Red Sea were bigger than that, don't you? And they walk across on dry ground, and here they are. It wasn't long till people were very negative. Uh, they were complainers, and they were moody. He did, Moses never knew what he was going to get to face. They, they were such a bad group of people that God says, you know, this generation is going to die in the wilderness. And as you're reading through uh, those first five books of the Bible, remember, every day they had at least 80 funerals. It surrounded them. 
the consequences of their unthankfulness. You see, when people become unthankful, they become bitter and unforgiving towards themselves, God, and other people. People who are unthankful live under the victim mentality, looking down on themselves and they suffer from lies. They're never satisfied with what they've been given. They always want more. Poor stewardship. They don't even take care of what God's given to them because they deserve more or better. Friends, I have to remind myself and each one of us do this morning, the God of Genesis is a good God. That's his very nature. He can't stop being good. And he has a good and powerful plan for each one of us. One of the wonderful things about the narrative of the Old Testament started in the third chapter of the book of Genesis that her seed would crush his head. The prophecy, the prediction, and the unfolding of the coming of Jesus Christ is the story of the Old Testament. And, and Jesus Christ came into this world and he is the fulfillment of thanksgiving. Jesus is. I want to read from you this morning to you this morning from Colossians 1. And uh, I'm not going to say a whole lot more about this because the text just speaks for itself. It says in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it says, For he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. When you read the book of Jesus, the book of Genesis, it's Jesus, the creator. It's Jesus who is the Lord of creation. And in this passage, he says thrones, dominions, powers, those are all ranks of spirit beings. And, and Jesus created them, and they were created before the earth was. And notice what it says in verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. We live in a world that has a Jesus vacuum. I, honestly, if a person comes to know Christ and gets right for him, their life changes. It turns you inside out, upside down. You cannot say you know Jesus and be the same. He is the transformer. Why? He's the creator. He's the Lord. He's the magistrate. And notice verse 18. This is good news for us here today. 
He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. The world we live in, what is their great obstacle? You've got to eat right, exercise, and do what you do. Why? So you can prolong death. Uh, death is man's mortal enemy in, in Billings. We, we have two huge hospitals. They employ almost 7,000 people between the two of them. And why? Because people come from all over the area to get well so they don't have to die. And did you see that? He is the firstborn from the dead. That in all these things he might have the preeminence. Friends, it is Jesus Christ. I remember when Paul's dad shared the gospel with me. I used to be afraid to die. And after I trusted Christ, I knew I had the peace of God. I knew where I was going to go when I died. And a friend of mine told me after, shortly after they, she says, you know, you'll get over it. And I have news for you. Over a half a century has passed. I haven't gotten over it. It's only gotten worse. I am more excited about the hope of eternal life with Christ, being with him, living with him. And quite honestly, my life would be a mess without Jesus Christ. Verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. The total experience of God. You know, you, you and I had more of a change when we trusted Christ as Savior. We passed from death to life. And when the believer dies, we're just going from life to life. And God's going to prepare us for that. And by him, it says, verse 20, to reconcile all things on earth and things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Life and everything in it, you and I have, comes from God. He is the blessed controller of all things. And you know, God alone is good. And he, we see the goodness of God in creation. Uh, we see the goodness of God in his actions. You know, and I, frequently I get impatient with God. I don't know if you've ever done that or not. But I've gotten impatient with God and said, God, we need to, what, it, what's, what do we, why, what, you, you know all those feelings. <clears throat> they keep you speechless until we go back and we just rest in him and know that he's going to work it out in his time and his way. That's one of the things Adam and Eve enjoyed on day seven. I just couldn't believe that he does it all, and we get to enjoy it. And his love, his love is unconditional for people. 
the years ago when I, in my ministry, I, one of the hard parts for me <clears throat> was a, some jail visits that I had. And I went to the jail one time to see a fella. And if I could have got to him, I would have killed him. Wasn't that a good spirit for the pastor to go make a jail call? He had uh, molested his daughters. And I was having problem having God's attitude. Friends, as long as human beings are alive, God loves them. God has good and best for them. And God's not finished with them yet. I think the word's hope. God has hope for every human being. He's a God of love. And he's gifted every one of his believers to function in the body of Christ. His promises to Israel and his commandments are not heavy for us. People say, oh, Ben, this book is so heavy. No, 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 no. It is so good because a good God has given good advice. And if we will listen to it, and if we will allow it to work in our hearts, it brings God's very best to us. You see, are, are you enjoying the goodness of God today? No, as believers, we need to be very uh, thankful and happy about what God's doing. And are we trusting Him? And are we relying on His goodness? And you know, even in unfavorable circumstances, we'll see the goodness of God. That tragedy in Colorado Springs this weekend, my, I, you just cringe. And I've got kids that live there. And, and you just cringe. And you say, God, why? What is going on here? You know, one of the things that we're going to be able to see is the velvet lining of the goodness of God in a whole bunch of people's lives. And God sees the upper side. We see the underside. We can never forget that. God's got a big plan, and you've got to get the big picture if you're going to enjoy the goodness of God. And I have a lot of questions, and I'm sure each of us would repeat that. You know, the goodness of God will be praised. And when we are unthankful, we have a Jesus Christ void. He, when we're thankful, it's because Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is making this God thing alive and real. You can't gender this up. It's, it's a God thing. Let's have the next slide, I think, and I'm going to have you stand. I want to read scripture with you today. Would you stand up? And
This comes from Psalm 107, and Psalm 107 is 43 verses long, so we're not going to read the entire psalm. I'm going to touch on five highlights, and I challenge you to go home and read the psalm and then think about where each of these are used. Let's read in unison. Uh, psalm 107.2 says, let, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. Now, look at these five verses, 1, 8, 15, 21, and 31, and let's read them in unison uh, this morning. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. Wonder what the point of that psalm is. You may be seated. Uh, that is a, that's a glorious psalm, is it not? And a tremendous thing. Just a couple of stories to finish my message. Um, in the autobiography of Corey Tinboom, if you'll remember, she and her sister Betsy were in the horrific Nazi concentration camps in the early 40s. In her book, she says on occasion they were forced to take off their clothes during an inspection and they would stand in line feeling defiled and forsaken. Suddenly, in one of these experiences, Corey realized that Jesus had hung naked on the cross and it struck her in wonderment and worship during that time. And her sister Betsy was right next to her and she said, Betsy, they took his clothes too. And Betsy gasped and said, Oh, Corey, I never thanked him. You see, Jesus Christ is our source, our hope of thanksgiving. My oldest son, Lance, when he was at Liberty University, uh, had a professor named J.P. Moreland. Some of you may have read some of his books. He is now at Biola College or University and, and Talbot Seminary, and, and uh, he was recently speaking in a conference, and he was sharing that he had had major problems with depression, and that'll come on any of us. And he said the Lord helped him get out of the depression. You know how he did it? Every day when he took a walk, he determined that he was going to find 100 things to be thankful for. 
He's thankful for this and thankful for that. He said, you know, after a few walks, my depression left me. And friends, you know, our depression will leave us when we see God in all of his glory. And we understand he's a good God. And we have a heart filled with thanksgiving. It'll change the way we see everything. You see, the battle for our thanksgiving is in the heart of man. It doesn't uh, let the brutality of the world, we cannot let the brutality of the world take away our thankfulness. Remember, you're, we're God's child, and he has shown you his goodness and mercy through his work on the cross. You know, he was tempted in all points as we have lived, have been. And yet he was without sin. And I'll tell you what, he'll bring hope, he'll bring refreshment to our souls, and he will, give, he will bring victory to each one of us as we learn to be thankful. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that you're a good God and you're a merciful God and you're a God who has a special plan and a special purpose for each of us. And I pray that we would learn to enjoy and rejoice in your goodness today. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.